Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. And welcome to Tourpreneur Episode 110. Today, we welcome onto the podcast Ralph Velasco. Ralph is the tourpreneur behind Photo Enrichment Adventures and alacampania.com. So Ralph has a very interesting story. He used to own restaurants and he shares with us how he sat down one day when his lease was up on a restaurant that he was managing, got out his legal pad, one side the pros, the other side the cons. And he shares with us how he decided to move from being a restaurateur into running tours. He started with walking tours in his area and then he grew his business to actually running multi-day tours in exotic places like Spain, Italy, including Georgia and Armenia. We talk about how he set up group tours to Cuba. So so Ralph is doing this. I don't think we've had a tourpreneur interview quite like this before because what Ralph is doing is he is connecting with tour operators in some of those regions, building out experiences, building out tours, and then going out and marketing that. So a little bit different. Um, I definitely learned a lot on this interview with Ralph, and I think you will too. So all the show notes for today can be found at tourpreneur.com forward slash one one zero. And welcome to episode 110 of the Tourpreneur podcast to Ralph Velasco of photoenrichment.com. And we'll test my Italian now, alacampagna.com. Is that correct? Right. Uh, yeah. The name of my company is Photo Enrichment Adventures and Alacampagna Experiences. Absolutely. Brilliant stuff. So I'm really intrigued by your journey. For those who don't know, you started out running your own restaurants, correct? Yeah, I'm a third generation restaurateur and I've had several restaurants of my own. How did you go from running restaurants to running tours? Well, it's uh, kind of interesting. Back in 2001 to 2004, I had my second restaurant, one in downtown Chicago. And I opened up just about uh, four or five months right before 9-11. I think it was May of 2001. And uh, we all know what happened on September 11th. And so business was pretty tough uh, for those first three years when I came up to the end of my initial three-year lease. And I had to decide if I was going to sign for another five years and commit to this or do something else. Uh, Right around then was sort of the, uh, I, I would call it the dawn of the digital photography age. And I've always been interested in photography and enjoyed film. 
and was getting into digital photography at the time and was thinking about creating some walking tours. And I thought that uh, people would be interested in learning how to use these new digital devices. And so I put together a, a three sort of two-hour walking tours in downtown Chicago uh, right as winter approached. And I realized uh, probably not the best timing, but uh, I, I was looking to move back to Southern California where I had lived, uh, I think, five or six years before. And so I thought that would be a great place to do these tours. So I uh, found a way to get back there and joined a friend of mine who had a financial services industry. And he said, why don't you get your licenses and come on out and work for me. And so I did just that and I started my tours out there. But what I did uh, to back up just a little bit, I actually took a legal pad when I was deciding whether or not I should sign for that extra five years. And I took a legal pad and on the left side, I wrote what I disliked about the restaurant industry. And uh, that was having a very expensive retail space, having employees, you know, selling something that people consumed and could potentially get sick on, you know, liability issues, uh, came home smelling like a French fry every night, and, you know, a lot of other reasons. And on the other side, I wrote the opposite of those things. I said I wanted to work from wherever my laptop was, outdoors, uh, have no employees, just work for myself, and take a shower before work, not after. And uh, so I decided that uh, probably the tour business, you know, something like that was something that I wanted to dabble in. And I, it was fairly new at that time. You know, a lot of people were doing photography workshops and things for years, but kind of these few hour tours and, and with digital photography was a fairly new thing. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying there, particularly the legal pad. And I think particularly for those tourpreneurs in waiting, that might be thinking of getting into this and you know many of our guests like the biggest decision they had to make was leaving their career and starting something new or even just if it's a side hustle it still takes time and you do need to write down why you want to do something and i was recently on a um, tour operator course with the tripschool.com and it was how to start a tour business and i love the first sentences that mitch batch actually said he said you know if you're in this to make a ton of money, I suggest you stop right now. <laughs> if you're not in this because of a passion, then this probably isn't for you. And A, I knew that's why I was, I was on a really good course because of that honesty. But also it's true that the majority of us that are building tour businesses are not doing this because we have grand plans of being millionaires. It's because we might be sick, sick of our current job or our business and we have a passion that we want to work around. So I love that you did that with the legal pad, Ralph. Yeah. You remember those legal pads? Hey, I, I have one right in front of me, right here. I use them. Right. I use them. That's great. Um, so talk us through that journey of, then, of starting Photo Enrichment Adventures. How exactly did that come about? How did you go from you know, wanting to run walking tours to, to running Photo Enrichment Adventures? Yeah, so I, I did make that, you know, I, obviously I made the decision to sell. Uh, I found a buyer, sold uh, after three years, and uh, they took over. Unfortunately, they were out of business in, in, in a year. But wow. um, yeah, I, so I, I moved to California in 2005 to work for my friend, and I got my licenses and became a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, I was uh, 
creating these walking tours around Southern California, which eventually I had about 20 different itineraries. But they started out with uh, just me uh, sitting across the table from someone who was interested in learning how to use their new one megapixel digital camera. And so uh, I had to hustle and learn how to use them myself yeah. uh, in order to teach it. But like they say, all I have to do is be one step ahead of your your students, I suppose. But uh, no, I, I tried to learn as much as I could. And I, I, I spent a lot of time doing that. And uh, so, uh, you know, it was just so, like I said, one-on-ones, maybe two hours. I was living on Balboa Island in Newport Beach, California. Oh, and they started doing walking to, you know, I'd take them out for walks around the area and show, you know, give them examples and things like that. And that kind of grew into a half day tour around the area. Uh, then I did full day tours where we, uh, one I called San Diego by train, where we would meet on the train in Irvine and take the train down to San Diego. I do a one-on-one with everyone because th- that was a small group. And then we'd uh, walk around San Diego for two or three hours and then we take the train back and it was really nice and it just grew uh ended up doing some overnight trips to joshua tree national park and death valley national park um and then i was looking for ways to get back to chicago my hometown and so i said well why don't i put together some some tours to chicago and i can bring people from southern california which is where i was kind of building my following back to Chicago and maybe get a free trip out of it. And so I started doing that. And uh, one of the ways that I built my following and got these you know, original people onto my tours was teaching at the local city of Newport Beach, uh, Saddleback College, the UC Irvine Extension Program, you know, adult education and photography, because that was my niche that you know was teaching travel photography. Right. And um, yeah, so... Uh, that's kind of how I started that following and just building. So, you know, get brought groups back to Chicago. And then eventually uh, in 2000, September of 2008, you probably all remember what happened then. Uh, we had the, the financial crisis. And so the day after that crash was when I went full time into being a, 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 a tour organizer. And so that was, you know, and I was a financial advisor and that's why. And so uh, actually that was the best day, best thing that ever happened to me was that financial crisis, even though I was a financial advisor, but I, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. And it forced me to, you know, pursue this thing and kind of burn all the bridges and say, I'm going to make this work come hell or high water. And, uh, and then Eventually, I, my first international tour was to the Central European Christmas markets, and that was absolutely fantastic. So let me just take a step back there again. You know, first of all, that's, that's a heck of a leap in a way to make that, that jump. And then how did you go from offering local-ish tours to then, you know, taking the, another big leap to opening and uh, creating tours on another continent. How did that actually come about? Yeah, so uh, I was actually approached by a woman from one of the big tour companies, the big uh, global tour companies. I, I think she found my website online and she asked if I would like to bring groups uh, you know, anywhere that they went. Uh, you know, and they had a global brand. And 
you know, it sounded fantastic. And uh, what was great about it was that at that time, what we would be is a part of a bigger group. So, yeah, so I didn't have to, you know, figure out the hotels and transportation and guides and everything. We were just a part of their bigger bus tour. So that was a really great way to sort of ease into this. I, I put a group together. I got six people on that first trip. We had an absolute blast. But of course, you know, now you're at the mercy of their schedule. And as photographers, we want to get out early before the crowds and in the best light. So uh, I did that, I think, one other time on one of their river cruises on the Danube. And I decided that wasn't quite what I wanted, you know, our trips to be. I didn't want to be a part of a bigger group that I w didn't have any control over. And eventually, uh, I, I call this the, the pain in Spain. Uh, I'd been to Spain many times. I studied there in high school when I was 15 and been there quite a few times before this point. And I said, you know what, why don't we put together a trip to Spain? And I started, you know, looking at, uh, you know, Madrid, Segovia, Toledo and Barcelona. and. Uh, so I started piecing this trip together myself. And as I'm sure you and your audience understand that uh, it, it can get out of control. And so I, I realized that I had over 36 vendors that I dealt with between, you know, four hotels and, you know, one in each city, a different guide in each city, activities, meals, transportation, et cetera. And so, you know, you're explaining yourself to these people over and over again, who you are and why they should work with you. And that's when I decided, okay, the secret to this is working with a single tour operator in the destination who knows everyone. You explain yourself once, you know, you got one point of contact and uh, that's kind of when things started to really take off. What would you say is, is your most popular tour? Because I know you offer quite a few around the world. Well, I've done Cuba 18 times. Wow. So on a number, you know, a num number scale, that would probably be my most popular. What were some of the barriers around opening up? I imagine politically, um, that must have been quite tricky for you. Yeah, it was. And uh, I'm, my first trip was in 2010. So I guess it was about 2009 that one of my, my students... Uh, we were sitting in my living room doing a one-on-one -on -one, and she said, have you ever thought about going to Cuba? And I said, well, I thought we couldn't go to Cuba. And she says, well, you know, I guess I, I know, I know there's some groups going in there. And I, at the time I belonged to uh, a group called the Circumnavigators Club. And I don't know if people have heard of it, but uh, you had to have traveled around the world in a single journey, having crossed every one of Earth's meridians to qualify to belong to the group. And this was a group that was, I don't know, 80, 100 years old, started right. by, you know, Shackleton. And I think, uh, you know, all these, you know, big yeah. explorers when it was a big deal to travel around the world. <laughs> you know, nowadays uh, you just buy a around the world ticket, which is what I did back in 1988. And when I'd sold my first restaurant and I traveled around the world by myself for five months, but that's how I qualified. And mm -hmm. so I started getting some, some, flyers from them saying that they were going to Cuba. So I looked up who the tour operator they were working with. And, uh, you know, over a little, you know, a few months, I put together my first trip to Cuba and it sold out with 16 people. Yeah. And so I felt like I was really onto something. And uh, so this year is actually the first year I haven't gone to Cuba in 10 years. And I used to go four times a year with groups. Wow. How does the law stand right now? So forget COVID for a minute, which I know is hard to do, but I, 
because I thought now that U.S. citizens couldn't go there, is it you can only go there if it's a group or educational or, or cultural? Exactly. It, uh, you know, Obama opened it up a bit and it was easier to go on your own and in small groups. But uh, as before and now again, you have to go with a licensed program. And so we that's what we do. And we have approved itineraries. And so uh, there's there's a lot of hoops to jump through. But we've, you know, having done it 18 times now, kind of have that figured out and absolutely just have the most wonderful itinerary i've got great friends down there how did you how did you create those relationships with with the cuban operators and vendors starting out yeah you know um it was really little by little again working with that tour operator that was doing that circumnavigators club trip yeah i got in touch with them because their name was at the bottom of this flyer and I knew I didn't want to go with the Circumnavigators Club, no, nothing against them, but uh, I wanted to put my own group together. So I just contacted them directly and uh, we started a relationship and I did only two trips with them. And then I found another tour operator. I'm not even sure how, probably did six or eight trips with them and then found a different one. And and now I really have a, a great, you know, really sweet spot and, um, you know, I've seen so many changes over there, both for the good and bad over the years. But, uh, you know, I've got some of the best friends there. And as I'm sure a lot of your listeners uh, will understand, there's nothing like walking into like a local bar or club where a band's playing and they just stop because they see you walk in and they stop playing and they just put their instruments down, come and hug me, the clear tables for my group. And, you know, I look like a rock star, uh, you know, knowing these people. But th- those are the kinds of relationships that I had with almost everyone down there. And it was so much fun. So help me understand this thing. because It's a world that I'm not that familiar with. So you want to take groups. We're going to use Cuba as the example here. And then you reach out to a, a wholesale tour operator and say, hey, I want to bring X amount of people to Cuba and work with you. Is that how it works? And then they give you that, that price, which you then mark up. Yeah, I wish it was that simple. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. <laughs> I, know, I know you know it's not that simple. But uh, yeah, you know what I did? Uh, I, I, that's pretty much what I used to do. Just reach out and say, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm so-and-so and I've got this company. We've been doing this for so long. And I'm looking to bring a group down. But what I realized, was, and, and I would to go do a scouting trip. I always scout my trips in advance. Yeah. And uh, what I found was that, you know, the first couple times I did that, they, of course, wanted to show me everything. Yeah. And I realized, okay, I've got to reel this in. And so I put together this seven-page document that I call my tour operator expectation list. And it lists everything that we want to do, things that we don't want to do, the kinds of hotels, you know, the level of hotel and uh, meals and, uh, you know, just tells them exactly what I'm looking for. And this is the kind of trip that I want to put together. And it saves both of us a ton of time and money and wasted, you know, showing me monuments or museums that I know, you know, we're not going to necessarily do on my trips. Yeah. So that that was a huge kind of step forward when I came up with that document. Now, and the tour operators uh, love it. They say, oh, my God, I wish everyone would give me one of these. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. 
Great. And then, so let's say, for instance, talking through this journey again, you, you've got your tour operator set up. You think, yeah, this, I'm going to create this wonderful experience. How do you then go promoting it? So you say you had 16 people signed up for one of your Cuba trips. How do you market your, your experience? Yeah, you know, back at that time, I really had a very small list. I can't imagine it was 500 people back then. And, um, you know, it was just word of mouth. Uh, it was getting in front of anyone that I could, any kind of audience that I could, whether it be a camera club or, you know, doing teaching these these courses. And I would do it with with two or three people if that's all that signed up. Uh, you know, because I never knew who might know someone or if they came on, you know, it, it's, it would still be worth it. I used to speak for free at the the Orange County Fair. Uh, they had a big photography exhibit there. So, you know, photography was my niche. So I tried to get in front of photographers and uh, camera clubs and things like that. And I just talked to anyone and everyone that I could. Uh, I wrote a book that, uh, you know, still out there today. One of the hardest things I ever did, but uh, that really helps to, you know, um, you know, give you that authority. And so that's kind of how I did it. A lot of word of mouth. You know, you obviously do the organic marketing. Do you do any paid marketing? Do you work with OTAs at all? No OTAs. Um, I, uh, I've done some Facebook ads, but I don't think I've ever gotten a, an actual person to come on a trip from that. Um, I do a lot of public speaking, again, trying to get in front of travelers. Uh, my trips are a little different in that they, uh, I don't call them certainly not photo workshops, uh, right. uh, which is very popular, but you know, work is a four letter word. We're there to have fun. Yeah. Um, but, um, I also don't even call them photo tours anymore. Uh, I call them cultural tours with a focus on photography, Nice. And so uh, I was going for a more casual type of photographer, not the hardcore workshop photographer that wants, you know, 14 days straight of 12 hours a day of photography. Um, you know, so I, I appeal to couples where one's interested in photography, the other one not necessarily, but the non-photographer is welcome to come with us and they're going to have a blast on our photo walks because they're going to learn to see and they're going to be in these places at the right time of day when there's lesser crowds, it's not as hot, better light. And uh, so they absolutely love it as well. And uh, my clients are just fantastic. And we have over a 42% repeat on our trips. Yeah, I have to say, Ralph, you know, I was looking at your website and the one experience that, you know, really called out to me was the uh, Treasures of Armenia and Georgia um, yeah, yeah. experience that I'm, I'm a big fan of history. I read a lot of history. I've read a lot of history of the Soviet Union. I've never been out there. And I'm one of these travelers that, you know, I can travel on my own, but I, I really like traveling with a group, with someone who knows what they're doing, especially in countries where I'm not familiar with the language, especially when the language is in Cyrillic. <laughs> uh, you can't, at least if it's a Latin alphabet, you can kind of work things out. So that, that experience really, uh, you know, I, I really like what you've put on there, the treasures of Armenia and Georgia. You know, what's funny is that uh, I, I, and I could be wrong, but, uh, you know, Armenia and Georgia don't even use the Cyrillic alphabet. Oh, really? Yeah, See? that's ah. more like Serbia and Russia, where yes. when I went to Serbia, I've never been to Russia, I could kind of make out street signs and things because I was in the, uh, a fraternity in college. 
Right. <laughs> and so I could kind of make out some of the letters and spell right. you know, spell things, you know, pronounce things out. But Armenia and Georgia have completely different alphabets right. uh, kind of along the lines of Thai. And it's 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 illegible to me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing when you're with a group and, you know, some people like to, to go on their own and work this out for themselves. And I respect that. But honestly, for me, I'd rather go safety in numbers and go with someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, it, you can save a lot of time, a lot of money, and, you know, let someone else make the mistakes for you, meaning the, the tour organizer like me. And then you just kind of come along for the ride. And uh, people nowadays, I, you know, I, a lot of people, they just don't have the time or inclination to put together a trip and to spend the time that's required to to put together a great trip. And it's like, you know, just tell me where to be when. I'll, here's my money. Let me show up. And, and now that I've got a reputation, I've been doing this uh, for 12 years plus full time now. Um, you know, my people just have an expectation of my tours and they know that they're going to get a great experience i'm going to introduce them to the most interesting people in the place and uh and they're going to love it so it's, it's yeah. really great did you know every weekday shane curates the most interesting news articles in tours and activities and sends them out in a snappy daily digest grab your copy of the tourpreneur daily briefing at www.tourpreneur.com what's the difference between uh photo enrichment adventures and a la campagna a la Campagna experiences is something that I just created about a year and a half ago. And it was at the uh, request, a uh, combination of the request of some of my clients who were looking for shorter, closer to home, meaning the U.S. trips that were uh, less moving around and less about photography. Right. And... Having done this full time now for 12 years, I'm, I'm location independent, meaning I don't have a home. I live on the road. Um, I am getting tired or, you know, I was getting tired and I'm sure a lot of uh, your listeners can, can relate. Um, so no home, moving around every two to four nights, you know, dragging a bag around. So what I wanted to do was put together uh, trips to uh, that were concentrated around a single region, meaning the Mediterranean, which is one of my favorite regions in the world. And uh, right now we have trips to Spain, Portugal, France, and Italy. And I just love that culture. My nationality is Spanish and Italian. And so uh, what we're doing is staying at incredible properties like private castles, agriturismos, uh, wine estates, beautiful boutique hotels, where the property itself is a destination. And so people may not even want to leave the hotel. You know, we're in, in France's Dordogne, we're staying at a 270-acre property. It's a private castle from the 11th century. It's like a museum. And it's absolutely stunning. But of course, we're going to do day trips, but we're going to do like a hub and spoke. So we'll stay seven nights at the castle and then just visit the nearby villages, which are, you know, 30 to 60 minute drive away. Instead of I'm kind of moving away from the more 
countrywide or region-wide trips, like my Morocco trip was, uh, you know, let's, let's see uh, a big portion of Morocco in 14 days. But, you know, sometimes you're in the saddle for eight, nine hours. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I, I think I was ahead of where I think travel's going because of COVID. And it's not like I had any insight. Uh, it, this was just luck. But, uh, you know, uh, being more outdoor activities, not sitting in group vehicles for eight, nine hours a day and uh, just great locals experiences, trying to avoid the big capital cities, things like that. So um, I, I'm really excited about this brand. And my first trip sold out in, to, to France, France's Magical Dordogne sold out in six days. And that was really only released to uh, 80 of my sort of short, short list clients. And so uh, really excited about that and about the, the future for this brand. And it was actually named after my mother, whose maiden name is Campania. Mm. And uh, for those who know anything about Italian, Campania is a region of Italy, but it also means countryside. And so alla Campania means to the countryside. Yes. Have you thought about moving out there full time? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, that's another big thing is that I was kind of planning ahead. I've always wanted to, to live in Europe and I right. uh, just never have uh, you know, figured it out. And um, I, in the next year or two, I hope to be over there permanently. I, I don't know that I'll have you know, I, I don't think I'll buy a house. I may not even, you know, rent a place for long term, but I'd like to be two, three months in a place yeah. and, and then move to the next and then kind of figure out. And then eventually over time, I'll figure out where I'd like to be permanently. And then I'll, you know, rent for longer term and perhaps buy eventually. Yes. Now I have a very good friend of mine who's doing something similar. She's spending three months in different cities in Europe, you know, staying in an Airbnb or renting somewhere and just experiencing Europe because she lives in Asia. And I, I will say I'm, I'm pretty jealous. It's like, sounds like a good lifestyle to me. <laughs> I, I should ask you that, you know, how are you continuing to adapt to the challenges of the COVID pandemic? Yeah, you know, it's it's been real tough. And uh, being here in uh, Chicago for the past uh, four or five months, uh, has has been great in in a way because it's allowed me to kind of just be in one place, actually unpack my bags, which I almost never do, even when I do come back to Chicago. I've gotten a lot of a lot of uh, projects done that I've been wanting to do and haven't had time. So yeah, and in terms of of future bookings, I guess you had tours booked in for this year that you've had to cancel. Yeah, absolutely. I just had to cancel uh, Spain, France, and Armenia, Georgia for this fall, which I was hoping to sort of hang on to. And uh, I had, you know, real high hopes that the, I could salvage the the fall 2020 travel season. And that's just not going to happen, unfortunately. So that's really, really tough to do because I've, uh, I think I've only had to cancel one other trip in 12 years. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, everyone is understanding because everyone understands you have yeah. reasons why they have to be canceled. Exactly. Everyone's, everyone's very disappointed about it, of course. Yeah. And I'm trying to create some local tours. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I had the Chicago tour that I did when I was living in Southern California. And I did that about 12 times over the years. And uh, a lot of my people are asking me to bring that tour back, uh, but I just haven't over the last three or four years, because I, I, I 
like to do it in the spring and the fall when the days are a little bit shorter and the hotels are a, a, a lot less expensive because they can get pretty expensive in Chicago in the summer. And so um, I'm bringing that tour back. I just did a scouting trip where uh, I call it the circle tour of Lake Michigan. Where we'll do a self-drive tour driving around Lake Michigan and see some of the gorgeous lighthouses and wineries in northern Michigan, which I didn't even know about, but it's absolutely stunning. So, uh, you know, trying to create some local experiences here. And how do you think you will market those? I've got a fairly good size following here in Chicago, so I have a feeling it's going to mostly be locals. And so far, the people that have registered are all local Chicagoans because they don't have to fly in. I have a fairly good size email list. So I do a lot of email marketing and uh, Facebook uh, just, you know, posts on my Facebook. I don't do a lot of Facebook ads for the tours and word of mouth. Sure. And in terms of your email list, how often are you keeping in touch with everyone on your, all of your subscribers? Yeah, probably not often enough, uh, but about every four to six weeks, I'll get an email out. Uh, unfortunately, I just moved from uh, the Entreport system back to MailChimp for various reasons. And I have a, a course called Tour Organizer Training, where I teach people how to organize and lead their own special interest tours. But I've kind of let that go go for a little while because I need to update it. And so I was using Entreport not only for email marketing, but also to sort of host that course. And it's extremely expensive, upwards of $500 a month. And so I went back to MailChimp where I could just concentrate on the email marketing. And uh, I need to, to get in front of my people more often uh, with email marketing. Now I want to do some more blogging and also vlogging. And I'm starting a YouTube channel as well. Nice. Nice. In terms of the tour organizer training course, when do you envisage bringing that back? Yeah, probably uh, realistically, uh, maybe early next year. Right. Well, I'd, I'd love to invite you back on the show when it's up and running again, because you know that is a question we get a lot here at Tourpreneur is, you know, what there's so many courses out there and so many people, you know, selling these courses. I get asked all the time, what are the good ones? And, uh, you know, resources are scarce for tour operators right now. So I always want to steer our listeners in the right direction. So I'd love to invite you on the show next year to talk about your course and your training. That's wonderful. I appreciate that. Sure. What tools or apps are indispensable to you when it comes to running your business? Well, certainly an email marketing software, whoever that is. Uh, MailChimp, I like. Uh, they're you know the best that I've worked with so far, I think. Fairly easy to use, but uh, I think you've got to have a, a great way to keep in front of people. Uh, Facebook, a little tip for people if they're not already doing it is I create a private Facebook group for every single one of my trips. Right. And I don't know if other people are, I'm sure other people are doing it, but uh, it, it was something that I kind of came upon, uh, I don't know, six, seven years ago and decided, you know what, this is a great way. I was sending out a lot of emails with a lot of information. I'm like, why don't I just create a, a private Facebook group for the people that are going to be on this trip? It's a way for them to get to know each other, even just virtually before the trip, which is so important. And it's a way for me to disseminate information. They can share information with each other. I can answer questions. 
on the trip, we can share images. After the trip, we can continue the conversation. And so Facebook groups are a wonderful thing. Um, so I, I've probably got 80 or 90 groups that are, you know, going in, in various, uh, some of them are very wow. still active, other ones not so much. I just manage one Facebook group and that takes a lion's share of my day. Yeah. So I admire you running that many groups, Ralph. Yeah, you know, a lot of them, you know, 90% of them aren't that active, but uh, yeah, it, it's a lot of work. Because we, we always do a meet and greet in the location on the first day that we get there. And then we have a welcome dinner and I have everyone introduce themselves and where you're from, what you do, what you did and um, why you decided to come on this trip. But talk about being able to have people sort of feel like they know each other when you set up this group three, four months in advance. And there's already conversations going back and forth. Now I'm doing Zoom meetings with and I've done this for three, four years where, you know, doing Zoom meetings or that type of meeting with the group so everyone could see each other's faces. And you, you start to build a rapport with each other even before you step foot in the destination. And yeah. it really makes for a wonderful trip because you feel like you know each other. You know, looking at the business you've created and the experiences, obviously you've had to come up with a, a price for the tours and that's working with the various vendors and operators and, and working in margin. What advice would you, or what's been your biggest learning when it comes to setting prices for tours? Because again, that's another question we get a lot here at Tourpreneur. You know, on that first trip to the Central European Christmas markets, I was probably like everyone else who starts out in this business and you think, boy, if I could just get my own trip paid for, I'd be happier than a clam, <laughs> right? Right. And so I just added, I think, $99 margin onto that trip per person. And of course, uh, you don't, you know, back at that time, I had no idea of all the additional things before and after the trip that I would be charged for. So, of course, I lost money at that at that rate. But uh, I've come up with a very detailed spreadsheet that takes into account all my pre-trip expenses, scouting expenses, any post expenses that there might be, and then adding a margin onto that. And I've made every mistake that you could make with that um, spreadsheet. It's a work in progress. It's constantly being added to or, uh, you know, tweaked. But, um, you know, it's, it's a matter of what you value your time at. And don't forget when I, I talk about scouting every trip in advance and you know i still don't really charge for the time my time those two weeks of my time that it took to scout that trip in advance but i used to not even charge for what the scouting trip cost me and i said this is silly i mean that's a real cost and I've, i need to to get that back if i'm you know gonna make any money and make a business out of this so people should realize that, uh, you know, you got to take into account all those costs. And then I spread them over one, maybe two trips per person. And so try to get those costs back over one or two trips. And then, you know, three, four, five trips after that, uh, you know, the, the margins go way up. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Ralph, well, thanks for sharing some of your knowledge and wisdom with us today. It's definitely a unique style of uh, tourpreneurial business than we've heard on the podcast before. So uh, thank you for reaching out to me. Where can people find your tours and experiences online? Sure. So photoenrichment.com and alacampagna.com. 
And they can also check in with me at Ralph Velasco and at Photo Enrichment on all the social media networks. Would love to connect with people. Marvelous. And I will add all those links to the, uh, the show notes, which you can find at tourpreneur.com forward slash 110. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you so much, Shane. Thank you for everything that you do. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.